Broken Code is an investigation into the Air Force Academy football team by senior military editor Tom Roeder for the Gazette in Colorado Springs. The story came out in August of this year. Here's Roeder with what was uncovered. What we found was players were binge drinking, using drugs, cheating on tests, and, and worse, committing sexual assault. Records from the Air Force Office of Special Investigation shows that a tipster told them about a party in 2011 where the partiers had two different bottles of booze. The uh, Captain Morgan with a red cap was for the boys. The Captain Morgan with a blue cap was for the girls and also contained rohypnol. That triggered a massive investigation across the academy that eventually wound up bringing in 32 cadets as suspects, including 17 athletes, large number of football players, many of whom were kicked off the team. That led us to not just look at the football players themselves, but look at this program. Whether it's college or professional, almost every region has a team, and every team has a story. This week's theme is football, penalties off the field. I'm George Varney, and you're listening to the IRE Radio Podcast. IRE with you on your beat for over 30 years. On this episode, we'll be looking at how you can get crucial facts when investigating the traditionally closed-off worlds of professional and collegiate football. Our first story comes from Tom Roeder. I talked to him this week about his story on the Air Force Academy Athletics Program. At the urging of his editors, Roeder took a step away from his usual military coverage to see the story as one of sports and money. And so as I began looking at that, and you begin realizing that the highest paid employee in the United States Air Force is Air Force Academy football coach Troy Calhoun. Columbus Dispatch reporter Jill Riepenhoff will share how she was able to get vehicle information on an Ohio State quarterback after the university put up a wall around the athletic training facility's parking lot. Track their speeding tickets because they are all terrible drivers. And with Terrell Pryor, I map quested his route from Columbus, Ohio to Jeanette, Pennsylvania, and then went to every single county courthouse. And to finish the episode, you may have seen a Saturday Night Live sketch last week where the cast impersonated NFL players introducing themselves before kickoff with the crimes they've committed. If you want to be able to do something similar with real information on players in your city, there's a database for that. USA Today Sports writer Brent Scrottenbauer helped create an NFL arrest database during his time at the San Diego Union-Tribune. Scrottenbauer will also share tips on how to cover an often overlooked member of every organization, the team doctor. There's one doctor in particular that I've been covering since 2005. He's a team doctor of the San Diego Chargers, and I was just looking uh, through a court index one day, and I found 20 lawsuits that nobody had really been writing about. Football, fast cars, and physicians coming up on the IRE Radio Podcast. Tom Roeder is the senior military editor for the Gazette in Colorado Springs. The region is home to five military bases, including the United States Air Force Academy, which served as both base and university. Roeder has been watching discipline trends at the Air Force Academy throughout the 10 years he's been at the paper. In 2003, a series of sexual assaults caught his attention. And earlier this year, a number of cadets came through the court-martial system for sexual assaults. Some were student-athletes. Roeder wanted to investigate the cases further after watching the Academy fail to take accountability for the actions of its cadets. At first, he thought the project, titled Broken Code, would focus on military discipline. Then as I'm getting into it, you know, I've got my other speeding on me, 
hey, is this about money in football? And frankly, that hadn't occurred to me because that's not what I cover. And so as I began looking at that, and you begin realizing that the highest paid employee in the United States Air Force is Air Force Academy football coach Troy Calhoun. And you start looking at this, it just blew my mind, the amount of boosterism, the amount of bucks that are in a program here at the Air Force Academy. Roeder sent out 36 FOIA requests seeking documents on the court-martialed cadets. He was able to pinpoint exactly which documents he needed by looking at the manual for court-martial procedure. The military, as bureaucratic as it is, has, of course, the full manual for courts-martial, which will show you how an investigation is conducted to the, to the extent of even showing you which, what documents are generated. On top of that, if you go onto the Air Force's website, you can find their internal regulations which will, again, discuss investigations, what documents are generated, who generates those documents. Armed with the records, Roeder was able to leverage what he already knew to get access to high-ranking sources within the Air Force Academy. I went up to the United States Air Force Academy and, and sat down with a three-star in an off-the-record meeting. And I said, here's what I've got. I need to talk to your people or <laughs> this is going to happen to you without, <laughs> without your, your side of the story getting told. At that point, the Air Force Academy really opened up and got me to the athletic director, got me to uh, Coach Calhoun. That's a risky strategy, but it can pay off sometimes. Still, some sources outside the academy were less responsive. An officer in the Office of Special Investigations who was involved in the report of the party, Roeder described at the top of the podcast, the one with the drugged Captain Morgan bottles, wouldn't answer questions, but Roeder found an easy way around the source's refusal. Here's a guy who won't talk to me, but you Google his name and up pops his LinkedIn account. In these cases, you will find sources talking about what they did. In the case of, you're talking about Agent Brandon Enos, describes this, his full involvement in this investigation on his LinkedIn page. And it's not just the military keeping quiet about athletes. University athletics departments can also be tight-lipped when it comes to the actions of their players. Roeder said it's worth requesting and reviewing team rulebooks, which can be used to compare reported behavior with standards set by the university. In any one of these investigations, if you're looking at, you know, just to pick on my college, Washington State, go get the team rulebook. You can get that under open records law. There is no reason that they can conceal that. Then you see what their behavior is against their own rules. Every university out there has a code of conduct. Every football team has a team rule book. The NCAA has rules. Go get those and just hold up that program and compare it to what it says it's supposed to be. But before the FOIAs, the rule books, the sources, and the social media profiles, Roeder says there's an important resource for sports investigations that's probably available at low cost in your newsroom. My first stop is by the sports desk. And don't go there in the morning because they're not there. Go there at 11 o'clock at night and escort the beat reporter to the nearest place of beverages you can find and sit down and find out about that culture and about that program. Because as city desk reporters... We really look on football with, with a fan's point of view, and, and that's a good thing. But, but those sports guys really see the inside, and they know the people, and they will know who you need to talk to, and they can help you with techniques for how to communicate with these folks. Broken Code ran in August. After it was published, all of the around 1,000 Academy athletes were gathered in a gym and required to read it by the head of the Academy, Lieutenant General Michelle Johnson. An internal investigation of the Air Force Academy is ongoing. Check out our episode notes for a link to the story as well as our full interview with Tom Roeder.
Columbus Dispatch reporter Jill Ripenoff had heard rumors about star players on Ohio State athletics teams being given expensive cars to drive. After the university literally built a wall around its athletic complex parking lots, Ripenoff used MapQuest and municipal court records to get the information she needed. So, was rumored for years and years and years that, you know, that, that football players at Ohio State get to drive fancy cars and this and that. And when we tried to poke around on that back during the Maurice Claret days in the early 2000s, Ohio State's response was to put up a, basically a wall around the Woody Hayes Athletic Facility so we couldn't see the parking lot anymore to look at cars and run plate numbers. So a really good way to do that is to um, track their speeding tickets because they are all terrible drivers. And with Terrell Pryor, I map-quested his route from Columbus, Ohio to Jeanette, Pennsylvania, and then went to every single county courthouse to see, you know, to pull um, his speeding tickets and found out that he was driving loaner cars, $40,000 loaner cars home on the weekend. I ran his name through Muni Court and, um, and you know, saw that he you know, had a speeding ticket on a weekend. And later we ran all the football players through and found this connection where this one car salesman, one, had sold cars to more than 100 Ohio State football, men's basketball players, and their parents. One car salesman, not dealer, salesman. I thought it was weird that this one guy had so many, you know, that in itself, like, raises some suspicions. Links to the dispatch's coverage of former star quarterback Terrell Pryor are available in our show notes. Brent Scrottenbauer is a writer for USA Today Sports. With NFL player crimes currently making headlines, context is key. While working for the San Diego Union-Tribune, Scrottenbauer helped create a database of NFL arrests since 2000. The table is still being updated, and we'll link to it in our show notes. Scrottenbauer said that on average, one NFL player gets arrested a week, though the NFL arrest rate is half of that of the general population. He also notes that arrests are not distributed evenly across teams. As of June of this year, the Minnesota Vikings, for example, had 44 arrests since 2000, while the St. Louis Rams had 11. But player arrests can be more than quick-turn crime stories. Scrottenbauer said they can also be used to address public safety issues. DUIs are the most common type of arrest uh, in the league. A lot of people know that already. But I would point out the database is a tool not just to honk my own database, but also just to provide context and also a a different way of thinking about that issue is if you keep track of all the data points with each arrest, where they're arrested, when they're arrested, there are a lot of public safety stories I think you could develop over time. Like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys player that uh, got killed in a drunk driving incident in December 2012, his teammate was behind the wheel. It turns out that all the Cowboys were at a club that night. It's a club that they like to go to. Um, I looked up the tweets of the club com- uh, promoter and what, what she was doing that night. She was really promoting the fact that the Cowboys uh, were there. They like to party there. The champagne flows there. And the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission later investigated, and that it's still under investigation, as I understand it. They're over-serving alcohol to intoxicated patrons. So there's some public safety issues you can explore. 
And don't limit yourself to athletes. Scrottenbauer says there are also other employees who contribute to the overall success of a team. What we don't hear about is the issue of team doctors. These are the guys that are sticking the needle in. These are the guys that send the players back onto the field perhaps earlier than they should, uh, but we just don't hear about them individually. And so I think it's worth checking in, in your market, in your city, just to find out who these guys are and where they came from. Team doctors are often faced with conflicts of interest. One person gets the care, another writes the checks. Doctors are paid by the team management but are tasked with putting the player's health first. Another potential conflict is if the doctor is part of a medical group that is also a team sponsor. That situation, Scrottenbauer said, begs the question, are the players getting the best care or are they getting the highest bidder? You can start to background your team doctors by checking their medical licenses, which are public record, and going through any litigation history. A lot of doctors are lawsuit magnets, and you can find they have a long litigation history, too, and you can find a lot of story threads there. There's one doctor in particular that I've been covering since 2005. He's a team doctor of the San Diego Chargers, and I was just looking uh, through a court index one day, and I found 20 lawsuits that nobody had really been writing about at all. And one thing led to another, and it became an eight-year story. Um, The state medical board had filed some citations against him. They had filed some complaints. They were trying to take away his license, um, but people always ask me, "Well, why does this? Why does the, why do the Chargers keep this doctor um, who's got all these legal problems hanging over his head?" Well, the answer is they were comfortable with him. He did what they wanted him to do. Thank you for listening. You can find past episodes on both our SoundCloud page and on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes. As always, if you have any questions or comments about the podcast, IRE, or anything else, our inbox is always open. IRE web editor Sarah Hutchins edits the podcast, and she can be reached at web at ire.org, or you can reach me at George V, that's G-E-O-R-G-E-V, at ire.org. That's it for this episode. From Columbia, Missouri, I'm George Varney.